Hey, Chris Manning from Locked on Cavs here. This is Evan, also the co-host of Locked on Cavs. So here at the top of the show, um, coming up, you're going to hear us to talk to Brad Roland, the excellent host of the Locked on Hawks podcast about Wednesday's game. Uh, but there is some Cavs news at the top that we need to get into. Um, first thing is that Colin Sexton has been named an injury replacement, I think, for Tyler Hero. Um, it was playing in the Rising Stars game. Sorry? Just no, that was me slamming my fist in excitement to vamp us up. Go ahead. Colin <laughs> um, Sexton's going to be there on All-Star Weekend. He's the lone Cavs representative. Um, Evan, I think this is just very deserved. Um, I, I think clearly yeah. he should have been there in the first place, and it's good that he's making it. You know, I'm glad the uh, NBA didn't slate me and Colin and Cleveland fans and piss all of us off by picking Kevin Knox again, which is great. So I'm glad that Kylie came to ter- finally came to terms on that, but no, uh, I still think Colin is Cleveland's leading scorer. He more than enough deserves to be in this event. And I think for as much as we gripe on Colin Sexton not being a ball, moving the ball very well, this is like the perfect matchup for everyone to see how fast and dynamic Colin can be when he has the ball in his hands because he will not move the rock when he touches the floor. Yeah, yes, uh, this, his fun, fun enough, his team is being coached by Phil Handy, the former Cavs assistant i'm um, a very very good coach um wasn't mm-hmm. with the Cavs, i think when sexton he was in toronto by the time sexton got to cleveland so they didn't overlap right. but um a very well-regarded skills coach it's fun that there's that little Cavs connection there um wish he was doing something else like wish he was like in the skills challenge or something like that um but you know good to have colin on all-star weekend yeah. again we'll be the lone Cavs representative so check that out if you want that game can be sometimes a little bit unwatchable but please if you're looking to Cover the fall of the Cavs on that weekend. He's going to be your one way to do that. Everyone else will be on vacations. Um, I'm very, yeah. very sure of that. Um, other thing going- al- oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I just kind of alluded to it, and this is maybe a little sneak peek of what's coming with our sit down with Brad to talk all things Hawks, Cavs. Um, there's a very good chance we could get like a Dion Waiters esque performance where Colin just starts jacking it from just past the half court line. He starts draining it, and then. You know, this is his coming out party. Then I can finally say, Colin Sexton's made it. That's that's just all I wanted to say. I just hope he has a really good game, and I hope yeah. he doesn't lay an egg. Yeah, and there's also like a fun. You can have a very fun thing where it's like um, you can have well, when Kyrie Irving like ended Brandon Knight's ankles. Um, yeah, that could be a thing that you do as well. So I wonder if that 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 is a thing that could be the cases. Um, I thought you were going to say it's going to be a drinking game where Colin takes an ill-advised shot. I'm like, you're probably going to kill people during this event then. <laughs> uh, good times. Uh, the other thing going on is that Kevin Love is listed as questionable for Wednesday's game. I would assume he's probably not going to play. Um, I, I don't think it matters too much. I would. I, it's more enjoyable if he does play because it's more time we get to see him and Drummond kind of play together I would assume that Larry Nance Larry Nance would just kind of be the obvious fit to start um, if that were the case but Evan do you have any kind of take on on Kevin Love being questionable for, for this game I'm pulling up the tweet because Carter had a pretty good zinger um, oh yes this was very this is like one of Carter's best tweets ever I think he you know he actually does have a lot of hits maybe fatherhood's done a lot for hot, him, hot take just... hot, hot take better twitter than justin i think that's pretty fair because 
Justin's more about volume. Carter's more about quality. Yeah. If that um, makes sense. Yeah. So the pro Carter Rodriguez podcast. Continue. Yeah. There you go. Listen, it's not Kev's fault that airfare was so much higher to the Bahamas on Thursday compared to today. Like that's pretty funny. And like, I got an, I, I snorted when I read that, but no, I don't think Kevin's Achilles. I mean, okay. If it's actually like a serious injury, like a, or if something serious that the Cavs are monitoring, like Achilles injuries are not something you mess around with, but, um, Carter alluded to this when we did our roundtable with him, Justin, and Spencer Davies, and that Kevin Love might start getting some phantom injuries throughout the remainder of the season if the Cavs are just kind of telling him, like, we're going to move you this summer. But, yeah, no, I agree. It just kind of stinks that uh, we won't get to see him and Drummond play together against a kind of thinner front line for Atlanta. I mean, granted, they have Dwayne Dedman and John Collins, who are no slouches, but John Collins isn't known for his defense, and Clint Capella, who is the crown jewel of their big man rotation at least is not going to be playing so kind of stinks but yeah i think larry will probably get the start at four maybe um again i alluded to this with brad the Cavs get a little funky get a little weird which i applaud like one of which like you and i agree with maybe play dante exum a little bit more but on top of that larry nance is tall enough to play small forward and the Cavs can just kind of you know throw it after they're down 50 after trey young goes nuclear the first half where they put Nance at the three, Thompson at his old spot at the four when he was first drafted and playing under Byron Scott, and then they keep drone at the five, and <clears throat> it's some of the worst spacing imaginable, and it makes you want to rip your hair out, but I thrive in chaos sometimes, Chris, and I think that would be the one of the more chaotic moments the Cavs could pull off this season. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, Kevin Love just got to secure that, uh, that, that private jet rate as soon as possible. You got to lock that up so you can get where you're going. Um, to be clear, we don't know that that's why he's yeah, doing that, but just, it's just, it's just good for, it's good for the it's, lulls. It's fun to speculate. Yes. Um, last thing uh, before we get into today, if you go in the show notes below, a quick shameless plug here. Um, Jordan Zerb and I are starting a new Cleveland centric newsletter called an eligible man downfield. Um, you can go down in the link below, subscribe. Uh, our first thing will be coming on next Wednesday. So please check that out. Um, if you want just all things, Cleveland sports um, links, takes all that stuff. You can find it into that newsletter Again, an eligible man downfield for myself and the great Jordan Zerm. Um, we've definitely heard on the show before. If you're a long time listener works at the check down, um, which is a, a really cool social media platform from the NFL. Um, Cleveland native now lives in LA, but him and I are doing that together. Um, so please check that out if you are so kind, but without further ado, here is myself and Brad Roland talking with Evan, that's all three of us talking. Say, say, like, what am I, chopped liver? And real quick, are you the Anthony Davis to Zerm's LeBron, where a Cleveland transplant moves out to Los Angeles and he's sinking his claws into somebody else? <laughs> um, I don't. He's the he's the LeBron. I'm I'm probably like the. Hmm, I don't. I think I don't want to call myself the Kuzma because that just feels me being I'm too being too mean to myself. Um, you could be Alex Caruso. A lot of people respect Alex Caruso. Yeah, my ther- if I call myself a Kuzma, my therapist would be like, "Chris, like, why are you being a dick to yourself?" Um, <laughs> um, I totally derailed this. Sorry. No, no, this is good. This is I'm I'm this is a good pro transparency podcast. But um, if he's the LeBron, um, hmm, I'm probably the Frank Vogel. Yeah, you know what? I, I could see that. You're a real tactician, and if you had DeMarcus Cousins at full health with Phoebe Davis and LeBron, like, <clears throat> and Danny Green on the perimeter, and also Avery Danny Bradley. Green, like, Danny Green would have been, if I was feeling, you know, if I was feeling real positive, Danny Green would have been a good answer. There you but, go. Well, you know what? You're, you're, you're nah, the Danny nah. Green. LeBron. Hey, We're going to hey. stick with that. 
Yeah. And I'll let you take the floor again. Yeah. But uh, again, coming up, uh, myself, Evan, who's much better than me on the podcast, and Brad talking ahead of Wednesday's game, these two teams comparing how they're building. Um, that's all coming up today on this episode of Lockdown Cavs, a crossover with Lockdown Hawks. And we'll be back after the game, but here's today's episode. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. All right, joining Evan and I now um, in a Locked On Network crossover as like uh, he's one of the OGs of the network, also an OG over at Peachtree Hoops. It is Brad Roll and the host of Locked On Hawks. Brad, how's it going, buddy? It's going all right. You know, we're spending a Tuesday evening talking to each other, so it could be worse. Thanks yeah, for having me, guys. Yeah, no, it's good for us to, to link up. Um, Evan, I, I want to ask you this as we kind of dive in here with Brad, who covers the Hawks and uh, the Cavs for the Hawks in the last game for the All-Star break on, on Wednesday evening in Cleveland. Um, as someone who like looks at the Hawks from like a far away and then Brad just responded because I know, I know you get, I know sometimes when you see Hawks, you're just like, okay, just come the fuck on people. But when, <laughs> when you are, when you are observing Atlanta in relation to Cleveland, I think there are some similarities, but I think Atlanta is ahead. Do you, are you on that same wavelength as me? Yeah, I definitely am. I think you and I have touched on this a few times, the Cavs for the most part through their um, Renaissance era. Um, maybe there's, still in the dark ages a little bit like you've alluded to but um they've kind of hit a lot of singles in this draft they haven't really got the guy and atlanta more or less has the guy and trey young and then i mean john collins is a very nice complimentary piece and i like kevin herter as well um still trying to figure out what's going on with some of the other things maybe it's a little bit just like youth and inexperience but other than that um no the fact that the hawks have an all-star in trey young at this young of an age, and Cleveland still kind of treading the waters, figuring things out, kind of more or less is where I'm at when you compare the two. Like, yeah, there are some similarities where they're both rebuilding teams, but I think Atlanta is definitely a couple steps ahead. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, it's just one of those things uh, where you guys mentioned it, but having having the guy is the biggest thing in the NBA. We all, we all kind of know that, and we talk about it all the time, but it's just worth saying it plainly sometimes that having a star is just very important, and the Hawks have one. Um, there's obviously been a discussion about you know building around Trey Young and how difficult or easy it might be, but at the end of the day, it's a guy who's averaging you know like nearly 30 and 10 in the second season, and you can't really just fake that. He's incredibly talented and good at basketball. So, yeah, having that guy kind of puts you a little bit ahead of the game. The results haven't been there this year necessarily for the Hawks because of other factors. Uh, and honestly, if I think if they had known Trey was going to be this good this fast, they might have built a team dif- differently this year. Um, but, you know, now that they're healthier and, uh, well, non- non-suspension when it comes to John Collins, um, they look like the team that, that they were kind of supposed to be. And I think they are uh, a little bit ahead as a result of that. Brad, what do you make of um Atlanta like the Cavs making a move for a center. A center that makes a 
decent amount of money, not like an albatross amount of money, but a, a big at the deadline. What did what did you make of them going against Capella right around the same time the Cavs are went out and got Andre Drummond, who the, who the Hawks were linked to for a long time. I was going to say they they were and honestly I, I did not want them to trade for Andre Drummond not because Drummond's not good at basketball because I think he is but it just didn't make a lot of sense for the timeline particularly at that point in time and it was you know early January when there was still the thought that Drummond was going to command a real package in return and there was some stuff floated out there about what the Hawks might give up for him and given where the Hawks are it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me to trade for a guy who was on an expiring contract and give up real assets if they had gotten the same for the same deal that the Cavs did basically giving up almost nothing then sure um but you know in the meantime i think capella made more sense because capella signed for three years beyond this year and um i think he's probably a better defender than drummond and he does certain things well obviously i think capella is not a superstar there's people um, in atlanta that want to think that he's a little bit better than he is probably but he is good at basketball like flat out does a lot of things well i think he's a great fit with trey young the talking point here has been about John Collins and Clint Capella as a not perfect fit, probably, which I tend to agree with. I, I think it can work, but ultimately it made sense to me if it was a long-term thing because the Hawks, you know, obviously were making a lot of noise about wanting to go out and get a center right now. And I think there was some ownership pressure potentially, and there's a lot of noise about getting better right now, but they kind of bridge the gap by getting a guy who helps them now if Capella gets healthy in, in the near future. But more importantly, he signed for three years at a pretty reasonable contract. And I think that's kind of what they were trading for more so than this year, pretty clearly, because this year is kind of just over, as you as you guys well know, uh, when you're when you're as far out of, out of the out of the playoff mix as the Cavs and the Hawks are right now, it's kind of just all about the future. And I think the Hawks kind of know that even if they did, if they did want to get a little bit better now, because just to appease some stuff, because it's brutal when you struggle this badly, particularly when the Hawks had some expectations this year, not not massive ones. But they had, I think they had higher expectations than some people um, maybe thought. And I think they wanted to uh, get better now while looking to the future. Evan, what do you make of center investment by two young teams? Um, like Brad alluded to, I think if the Hawks were able to get Drummond for the price that Cleveland paid, I think <clears throat> that trade is a lot more palatable. But maybe Clint Capella is a little bit more of a long-term gamble at this point. Um. I I guess Atlanta didn't give up too, too much in this trade to begin with. I mean, they got the guy they were looking for, and they ended up waving Nene, and they got rid of, uh, I mean, they waved Chandler Parsons, and I don't know, it's just kind of interesting to see. So a lot of their other small moves as well were interesting, like picking up Dwayne Deadman again, I think is a nice depth acquisition, and maybe he just compliments the Hawks of what they're trying to do overall. But yeah, no, I think I'm just curious to see what they're going to do with John Collins and Clint Capella going forward. And, the same can be said, though, for – but I, let me just touch on this, though, because Trey Young is a proven commodity at this point. He is – can hit from anywhere in a half-court situation, like anywhere from the half-court line on, and he is an amazing playmaker, and I think he pairs nicely with Capella in that regard. With Cleveland, they traded for Drummond, and Chris, you and I were both listening on the conference call with Kobe Altman. They, he kind of viewed the trade at the time as someone who can – also help in the development of Darius Garland and Colin Sexton and Kevin Porter and even Jenny Osmond to an extent, who are all have potential as playmakers, but they're not at the level of Trey. So I can kind of see why both teams made the investment and maybe, like Brad alluded to, if Atlanta knew Trey was going to be this good, maybe they start making moves like this ahead of time and maybe they start trying to round out more of a playoff caliber team. But 
I can understand the appeal for both, and I hope it works out for Atlanta because they have a pretty fun and exciting team to begin with. But it's just interesting to see going forward what exactly is going to boil down, especially when you look at that John Collins, Clint Capella pairing, because I'm a big John Collins guy, and I want to hope it works, but who knows? You never know. Brett, I, I want to. Capella's not going to play anytime soon, right? Like that. That's like he's still injured, correct? He he is injured. There is, um, you know, in their intro press conference with Capella, they kind of did the dance about him not being seen by the physicians yet in Atlanta. Um, they did kind of rule him out until after the All Star break, obviously. But there is some thought that he could play sooner rather than later. But he's not playing now and has not played yet. And there's not a firm timeline, which is always uh, interesting. Again, because of where the Hawks are, they have no reason to push him whatsoever. So it might it might be a while if they decide to get conservative. Yeah. Okay. So when when you're looking at like I think with Drummond, and I'd be curious to see what you think of this, but when I when Evan and I look, I think look at Drummond, one of the things that we sort of are interested in seeing, and Evan, tell me if, if I'm wrong in speaking for you here, but I think I that we want to see how Drummond <laughs> is going to impact guys sort of directly <clears throat> and indirectly. Like I want to see whether on off like we I need more than the two games we're gonna get before the All-Star break. Yeah. But I want to see like how you know how his on off stuff compares to Tristan Thompson and how like his kind of pairings with these young guards kind of compares to someone like Tristan Thompson whose minutes he's going to eat. Um, Capella's a little different, a little younger, kind of less of is going to kind of be. I think I would assume he's going to be forced for the ball a little bit less than Drummond is. But when he is around, are there like is there any one guy where you're like where that's like a litmus test for you to see how? He kind of fits. I don't really know if I have that with with Drummond, just because it's probably Sexton, but I don't have like a great read on that. But when you look at Capella and him being integrated into Atlanta, is there a guy that you're going to kind of gauge more than the others to kind of see how he's affecting him, that player, either positively or negatively? I don't think there's one that's like super obvious. I think Capella, you know, and this is something that the Hawks have said publicly now. It's you know a perfect fit with Trey Young and the fact that he's a he's a pick and roll guy, um, lob threat, rim protector kind of guy. And but I think we already know what Trey Young kind of is and what he can be. I think you know the, the obvious answer is John Collins just because of how it has to work or you know it, or one of those guys can't be around. And I think it actually can work, but there is definitely an argument between can work and is a smart idea at the highest levels because eventually they have to pay John Collins. And if that doesn't fit perfectly, there's an argument about that. So it's a situation where he he's definitely the pairing that everyone is, I, I would say eager to see in the last two months of the season, how that's going to work in terms of just impact on the Capella brings. I don't I'm not really sure there's anybody uh, just having that backline rim protector is huge for almost everyone. Cause the defense has been so bad this season that, you know, having even Deadman helps with this as well, but just having a legitimate high-end defender just props everybody up, I think. Evan, is there someone on the Cavs you're kind of interested in seeing as we kind of wrap up our first segment here? Is there anyone you're kind of weighing to see how Drummond affects them? Is there any one guy in particular? I think like you already touched on it, I think Colin Sexton, you and I have <clears throat> spoken ad nauseum to uh, most of the I don't know, resistance and up, making people upset on Cavs Twitter, just how down we are on Sexton as a playmaker. Maybe having a reliable option as a lob threat, maybe as a pick-and-roll partner, if Sexton adds that feature to his passing game, like maybe that unlocks a feature of his game that we're kind of treading the water on. He has been putting up some decent assist numbers for at least the month of January, and <clears throat> I mean, that game against the Clippers feels like a blur because of how bad it was, so... 
I'm not really taking much stock in that one. But um, no, I think Sexton is definitely the interesting option. What about you, Chris? I think it's. I think if it's not Sexton, um, I think it's probably Garland. You know, just because like I feel like Darius early near one of the, the I think the pleasant things we had thoughts we had of him was just that the passing was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, there was just advanced stuff there that I thought didn't show up because necessarily in his scouting reports or some of the breakdowns that I'd read. So, but I'm curious to see if they Drummond only had caught like 13 lobs in Detroit this year or something like that. So I want to see if that gets ramped up. Um, they certainly made a move to get him rolling to the rim a bit in that first game, but it was also Kevin Love sometimes passing to him as well. So there's going to be some stuff that I'm curious to see how it plays out. John, or, right, excuse me, is looking at the outside of this. Um, I really like most of the the young guys in Atlanta, um, particularly like Herder, love Trey, like John Collins, like Capella. When you look at the Cavs core, is there anyone that when you've watched that, and hopefully you have now watched them a ton because that's just ba- like no one needs to really. Do that. <laughs> Like we we do yeah. we do that and Evan and I do that so other people don't have to. We we take it, you know, on Brad, I'm not even joking. Last night Chris was saying the Cavs have thirty ish games left in the season and I just quietly clipped till they put me out of my misery. And I had it's a not, few <laughs> I had a few friends text me saying, like, I heard you say that. And I'm it's, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not as bad as last year though. That's like my caveat to this. So that last year I felt like I was just like like just take just shoot me please. well tr- trust me by the way you know the year before Trey young year one of the rebuild that was uh the dennis schroeder torian prince show in atlanta Ooh. i can i can identify with that was a brutal season. I did not enjoy that stuff for my guy brad so um, i'm with you guys don't worry do you like i mean is there anyone um of the kevs young guys that you're, you're particularly interested in for whatever reason um honestly i kind of I kind of like most of them. I'm not a huge Sexton guy, but also I'm not, I don't think I'm low on Sexton. I think there are people nationally that just like bury Sexton and I'm not in that category. I think he's kind of a tough fit in certain ways, but also a talented guy, you know, Garland, I've always kind of liked. Um, I like KPJ a lot. I've, I kind of always have, if he can figure out everything that he needs to figure out, he's super talented. So I don't know. I'm not, I, I wouldn't say that there's one guy that I'm in love with, but because I do other NBA stuff, I do have to watch the Cavs a decent amount. Not not like you guys, but uh, I'm I'm mildly intrigued by the by all the young guys, honestly. KPJ is the fun one, and I think yeah. I speak for Evan in that like he is the yeah. he's the very very fun one. He is fun, a lot of fun. Uh, Evan, any final thoughts here in this first segment? Um, I guess I don't know. I think yeah, like. I can't even imagine, first off, how miserable it is to watch Dennis Schroeder be your lead guard. But, um, <clears throat> uh, Brad, do you think the Hawks gave up like a ton of sacrifices? Maybe we touch on this more in the next segment. But just to like, oh, they made a lot of roster moves. Let's be frank at the trade deadline. But do you think they really made a lot of like altering franchise, all franchise altering moves that are going to affect the way things are going going forward, at least for this season? Um, you know, Capella is the one that could be that. Um. I would say probably positively, more so than negatively. I can't imagine there's too much downside there unless he just gets hurt or something. But that, that's the one move that's an actual impact move. They gave up a mid a mid first round pick to to do it. But the rest of the moves are all on the periphery. Even Deadman, who I who I like and they like, is still like a uh, stopgap kind of you know moving resources around kind of move. Whereas Capella's, it's not all in by any means. But that that's the one time in the recent past that they've actually used an asset to go out and make a move to help the team. So uh, that one is the closest that I, I could probably see coming to that. Gotcha. Yeah, that sounds all right. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then us three, us three locked on hosts, are all going to be back to talk more about Cavs and the Hawks and really specifically look at Wednesday's game in Cleveland. So stay tuned for that. 
And we're back. Chris Manning here with Brad Roland from Lockdown Hawks and my co-host, my co-pilot here on Lockdown Cavs, Evan Damerell. Um, Brad, I, we're going to look at Tuesday's game, but you are all in your the many, many sports things you do. You are also a Michigan fan. Um, so you were from you were one of the first people, I believe, that I DM'd and was like, tell me about John Beeline when that happened. <laughs> yep. um, what do you make of him in the NBA so far? We have like you know, two-thirds of a season sample size. What do you make of it? Um, obviously in the end, I would defer to you guys because you've seen, you've seen more of it than I have um, this season. I'm not surprised by some of the things I, I think Beeline is like a teacher and he's old. And, you know, a lot of the things that were made, a lot of the things that were made, honestly, I, I thought Beeline was an incredible college coach. I will stand yeah. on that. I think he ran a very modern offensive set, which allowed, I think it's part of the reason why NBA teams were interested in him at various times. Um, I think again, he's an awesome college coach. I, I was kind of skeptical the entire time of the NBA thing, just because of the just the way that he operates. He's kind of an all shucks guy. He's not like a you know, I mean, motivator is different in a different way, but he wasn't like known for that. He was a player development kind of coach, and that program is player development focused. But he didn't always strike me as someone who would be like a natural NBA fit, aside from just the X's and O's that he ran. Um, and so all the all the stories about like him naming cuts and things like that, like, didn't stun me. Honestly, I think. You know, you guys again could tell me more than I could um, from this point forward. But I always believed that he could that he could coach in the NBA from an X's and O standpoint. The relationship stuff I just didn't know enough about, and just you know, doing the math on age and kind of the way that he kind of you know, honestly, even the way that even the way that he got to Michigan, Michigan was by far the biggest program that he had run, and he came up as a guy who was never an assistant coach. He was a head coach the entire time, and had this really weird backstory and not in a bad way but just not a traditional nba path so my guard was up and uh you know i, I think there probably been some positives and minuses but you guys would know better than i would yeah i guess my question is for you and you maybe we can s- spill a little bit of the beans on this um do you think him taking such a collegiate approach might lead to his downfall because there's a large contingency of Cavs fans who are ready for him just for the team just to move on from him as head coach and like you said, he was brought in as a player development guy, and maybe he's not known as being like a motivator and a leader, or maybe not as a leader per se, but like his resume speaks for itself. But like he at one point touched on it where Colin Sexton originally wasn't named to the Rising Stars roster, and he said pregame, he's like, I spent maybe 30 seconds just telling him that, uh, hey, it happens, but you know, just uses his motivation going forward. Like, I don't know. And from what I've read and what I've gathered, like he's rubbed a lot of players the wrong way at this collegiate approach. And do you think that might be his, a bit of what's holding him back from being a successful coach? Or do you think it's a lot of maybe a little bit of that and more so just the way Cleveland's roster is constructed and it's just kind of like an awkward fit right now for him? Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's probably both in some respects and, you know, not being there, it's tough, but I, I could see him dealing with veterans in particular in year one. Um, that not going well, and that's that wasn't a huge shock to me that that veteran guys did not take to that right away, particularly when they were losing. Like it's 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 different if you win, but you know Cleveland wasn't supposed to win this year, so it was one of those no. things where you could kind of see the writing on the wall in some respects. You know, only giving him one year would be kind of insane, just based on the um, on the investment that they that they did and all that stuff. But at some point, if if it's not going well, you know, maybe you have to reset it. I'm. He's just, it's just weird to me. The whole thing was bizarre. Like the way it happened, leaving Michigan, it was kind of late in the game as well. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And I don't know. It's, I think the college 
approach just doesn't work all that well at times. I think there's mm-hmm. a reason why college coaches don't jump to the NBA with regularity. There are a couple of times that it's actually worked. You know, Billy Donovan recently has obviously worked very well, but a lot of the times it doesn't work, and that's why people don't make those hires. Because and even then, Beeline wasn't even a traditional college hire. He was someone who came out of virtual obscurity and just happened to be an incredible like tactician basketball coach who's also just a nice man. But it's like. He was not a high-level recruiter necessarily. He wasn't a big-time, considerable, like motivator, speaker kind of guy. He just likes to coach basketball. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, there are certain guys that like he's gotten along really well with Larry Nance. Um, I think like him and KPJ have like meshed to a certain degree. I think, um, but I Del- think there are Del- guys Del- he hasn't gotten along with. Yeah, he, him, and Delhi have really hit it off, which is like the least surprising thing you possibly could have told me was going to happen. Um, I also just like think the whole thing about like the name, the names of the cuts or like whatever they didn't like that they were animals are just stupid. That is really like, dumb. Yeah, I it's agree. The, it's <laughs> like the dumbest thing to be aggrieved about. I'm just sorry. Like I, I get that like NBA players get in their their sets and like they I understand why some of the guys would like want like really like playing for Larry Drew or like want to play for a guy like Ty Lue or whatever. It's stupid. If like if one of your like give me better nitpicks, then I don't like that the cut is named after a goat or whatever. That's just <laughs> I don't even know if that's like yeah. it was a goat, but it's just stupid. It's just stupid. polar bear. It yeah, was something. Yeah, that that's right. Uh, but no, I I totally agree. I mean, there there are real issues and not real issues, and that that one is not a real one. That that's not a real thing. That's just stupid. I guess my question for you real quick is how are things going in your opinion, since we're not as closely involved with the Hawks with Lloyd Pierce, I thought it was a good hire at the time. And I guess I'm, you have a better gauge of how things are going. Like, is it going well with his time as a head coach of the Hawks? Yeah. I mean, I, I like the hire. They went, they went um, young on purpose when they hired uh, before last season, basically everyone that they interviewed was like 45 or younger or at least 50 or younger. They were definitely trying to go young player development focused and Pierce had that reputation. I asked around about him, didn't know him a ton before that, but people, he seems to be kind of beloved in the league. Um, I think last year his approval rating was very high just because, you know, expectations were very low and he's an affable guy. He's good with the media. He's got, he's got charisma. Like I really like him as a person. Uh, I really enjoyed dealing with him and talking to him this year. It's been a little bit of blowback. I would say from the fan base, they're not, exactly enthralled with him part of that is that the team didn't make the leap that people wanted them to make which i don't think is a whole lot on lloyd pierce frankly um a lot of that was on john collins getting suspended and injuries and all that stuff but um with i would say at least a i would say a portion of the fan base thought that this was like a playoff team this year and if they if you view that then you see trey young doing what he's doing the natural fall guy is the head coach. And I, I sort of understand that mindset, but you know, and there's been a few times where I've, I've criticized Lloyd and the way he's done things this year. I think he's not been perfect. He's admitted to that. I think he could have done a better job, but I think all things considered, he's done pretty well. Um, but there is, there is a little bit of heat locally on him. I would say particularly in the last, I don't know, month or so there's been some people that have been upset and I, I get it when the team's not winning. I, I would preach patience on this one. I think it's his first time being a head coach, which also makes it tough. But um, in general, I think he was very, very well liked for about the first year. I still think he's doing a pretty decent job. But um, there's been there's been the natural blowback when when you're losing, particularly. And I'm sure you guys identify with this. Anytime a team doesn't doesn't perform well defensively, the coach gets blamed, which I always find funny. Yeah, that that was the cab story with Mike Longobardi for like two years. <laughs> and he's still it's like drifting <laughs> for jobs. How do you? <laughs> My 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 favorite thing is like how do you look at this Hawks roster and think that they're supposed to be able to play defense? They they don't have any defensive players. I mean they have they have some, they have the rookies who are good defensive prospects, and I think 
are on that path. But coming into the year, anyone that looked at the roster would have told you this is going to be a bad defensive team. And they are. And that's, I would say, partially on the head coach. But there's just this loud contingent of people that always blame the coaches for not inspiring the team to play hard and play defense. And it's just not a thing. You have to have talent. So I don't know. Uh, it, it's a it's a mixed bag. I still think that Lloyd is um, a good basketball coach, but at some point he's going to have to win, um, which is kind of the nature of every head coach. But um, you know, first time guy doesn't doesn't have the same kind of cachet as a retread even or someone who has more respect. So the uh, the rope is uh, usually a little bit shorter for a guy who's on his first job, particularly when you have a you have a superstar now. So if you have a star in people's minds like Trey Young, um, and you don't win, the head coach just gets more heat, and that's that's kind of just the way it, the way it works. Brad, what is something as we kind of wrap up here? What is something you are looking forward to? Or we'll go around here and everyone will share something. I will go last year. But Brad, what is something you are looking forward to seeing on Wednesday in in the last? I believe it's the last game for both teams for the All Star break. Yep. Um, but what are you just kind of looking forward to seeing in this matchup? Honestly, I, I I'm looking forward to see if the Hawks. You know, we talked about defense a second ago. If the Hawks can execute defensively um they kind of famously had a terrible defensive outing on monday they played orlando um and granted it was back-to-back for the hawks but orlando's offense is not good and they gave up about they gave up 140 or so to the magic and that was a a rough performance um and honestly you know i think as of this moment the hawks are favored on the road which is staggering to me but i also understand it because of the way cleveland's been playing so I don't know. It's I think the 13, way that 14 losses, yo, it's what's it's 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 a good it's a good hang. It's extremely yeah, I uh, mean, tough hang. You just want to end on a high note. And honestly, I, I'm hoping maybe not hoping I'm thinking that it would be a good idea if the Hawks started Dwayne Devin for the first for the first time. The first two games that he got there, he was off, off the come off the bench because they hadn't had a practice or anything like that. But they also closed with him. And I, I kind of want to see him with the starters just operating in his normal role, which is more of a Hawks niche thing. But because Capella's unavailable, having Deadman play, you know, 30 plus minutes on Wednesday alongside Young and Collins and Herter and just seeing what that looks like is something that I'm looking forward to and hoping happens because the other options the Hawks have at center are not great. So just go ahead and play them, throw them out there and see what happens. All right, Evan, what about you? What are you looking forward to? I'm kind of interested to see how Cleveland acclimates Andre Drummond a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me, more... Uh, Kevin Love is questionable at this point with an Achilles injury, but I feel like this is um, just lead up to the All-Star break and they're giving him the night off uh, so he can head on vacation sooner. So um, Andre Drum's probably going to get a lot of defensive attention from Atlanta. I'm sure the young guards will as well, but it'll be interesting to see what Cleveland does in this situation. Will they, well, Larry Nance will start alongside him. Maybe we'll get a little freaky with it and bump Nance down to the three and we got Nance at the three, Thompson at the four, Drummond at the five, and we just try to go bolty ball in Atlanta and see how that goes. But um, just to, for Brad's point, don't be surprised that Atlanta's favorite coming into Cleveland. They are also a very, very, very bad defensive team. And um, individually, like there's some bright spots on this roster, but overall it's just kind of a mess right now. So maybe you guys will get your mojo on both ends of the court that way and have a good way to build momentum. And I guess on the other side of things, I'm just always excited to watch Trey Young play. He's just a legitimately exciting player, and especially for casual fans, maybe this will help bring in a decent crowd for a Wednesday night game and what's shaping up to be a very cold week in Cleveland. So maybe maybe it'll just be a fun overall atmosphere of Trey in town. What about you, Chris? 
Uh, I want to see what kind of Colin Sexton, Trey Young shenanigans we get because as when they were rookies, Colin was like trying to make that a thing, and Trey is just like <laughs> that's like not really what he was doing. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. By the way, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give give me shenanigans. I just like need some shenanigans between Colin Sexton and Trey Young. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that means they're both just like trying to score on each other. I don't know if that means like like Colin. Se- I, I I truly would like want Colin Sexton. I don't know if Brad, if you've seen the the GIF of like him looking at uh one of the the one of the Hardaway's kids and like staring at him when they're like waiting for a free throw to be shot, or Colin just is like sta- like st- like bends over and is just glaring at him while they're standing next to each other. I would really like Colin to do something like that, like with Trey. Um, I just want some shenanigans. That's that's like really, really all I'm looking for out of this. It's just a fun game, you know, where we see some yes. drum and dunks or whatever. But give me Colin Sexton, Trey Young shenanigans like that. That's like the best outcome. Colin Sexton feeling like he just has something to prove is like a very fun Colin Sexton, and I would like to see him like compete against a guy that I know he he kind of measures himself against to some degree. Chris, before we go real quick, do you think that Trey Young and Colin Sexton could be like Dion Waiters and Tim Hardaway? But, you know, like that, uh, it's random, but I was watching that Rising Stars highlights where Dion and Tim Hardaway went back and forth for however long it was, and it actually made a all-star game kind of exciting. But do you think it could end up like that where Trey starts jacking? Oh, Trey apparently doesn't acknowledge the rivalry, but Colin's going to try as hard as he can to jack up as many shots as he can to the detriment of the Cavs. I want that. I extremely want that. Um, that that's the best outcome for me. That that was like maybe a, looking back. That's probably like the top three all time Dan Waiters thing. So, well, you know, no, that's not true. It's probably top five. But if we could get a version of that, yeah, I'm I'm very very in for that. Especially if Trey Young's like bombing threes from like forty feet, and then Colin like tries to do the same thing and it like starts working. I don't know. I I want shenanigans. Brad, are you pro? Are you pro this? Or are you just like? get off like what what do you do you i don't because i don't think trey cares and so i don't do you, i mean do you care no if, he, if, does, like, he doesn't yeah. i mean i i think this is not disrespect to colin because i you know he's a local guy to atlanta by the way um but i i think that's they're just in a different places right now i think mm-hmm. trey is comparing himself to other people that are not colin sexton at this moment um but colin you know I'm sure Colin likes to play against the Hawks in general because that's his hometown team, and Trey is someone who he wants to match up against. I'm sure, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that Trey has that same kind of energy level in this game. Maybe he will, but he just Trey's just good, and probably will have a big game anyway. But uh, yeah, I mean, shenanigans are fine with me. Colin is entertaining when he plays that way. When he starts slapping the floor and pulling his shorts up and stuff like that, he's he's entertaining at times. Um, but I don't know. I think Trey is probably this is probably just another game for Trey. And by the way, he has a very busy weekend ahead. So um yeah. Trey might be uh hoping to not have to expend too much energy on Wednesday. I don't know. Yeah. Is he well he is he gonna play in Rising Stars? As far as I know, he's on he's on the roster. Um at one point it was reported by Haynes that he was gonna do Rising Stars skills and three point contest, and then he did not end up in the skills competition, which I thought was interesting. Maybe he, that, maybe that was the one concession that he made because he's going to be playing Friday, three point on Saturday, and then and obviously starting in the game on Sunday. So maybe he didn't want to pull the uh, the four event participation, but he's got something every day. Yeah, uh, must be a nice problem to have. Yeah, that's that's extremely first world problem for for my guy Trey Young. Okay, Brad, as we get out of here, um, you have a ton of stuff going on. Just give everyone a plug uh, for Lockdown Cavs listeners in particular, just what you have going on. 
Yeah, I mean, Locked on Hawks is uh, what this is mostly been about. I also write for Dime at Uproxx, which is the more national NBA stuff. I do power rankings there and NBA draft stuff there and news stuff there. And we have a good time with myself and Robbie Cowan and Martin Rickman and Bodhi Filippo, lots of other people. I write for Sportsline as well, do some baseball stuff. I'm quite busy, honestly. Um, but yeah, just follow me on Twitter. It's the best place to find me. It's at BT Rowan. And uh, there you go. If I could donate sleep, um, I would donate it to Brad because my guy, I am always amazed when I find he's like, yeah, I slept three hours last night, bro. I'm cool. It, it's true. Martin Rickman like swears by the fact that you just don't sleep. And I just, it blows my mind. They're able to pull that off, Brad. It's, it's, it's truly, it's truly impressive that you, I, I can't, I'm washed. I cannot do that anymore. I hit the wall sometimes. And Martin usually hears me when I hit the wall and slack, like just kind of melting down when I've slept an hour and um, things are not going well. Like the other, I'm sure you guys understand this, but last week, the deadline, um, the Hawks made a deal at like 1am. Like the was it? So I was mm-hmm. up till like four or so that night. And then had to be at work at like six 30 the next day. And it was just one of those nights, man. Uh, we all, we all, we all have to do it, but uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Sleep, sleep would be good. Maybe, maybe yeah. sometime in August. Yeah, the worst, the only, the last time I had that was I got home from a finals game and it was like four in the morning and I got up at like seven. I was just like, what, what, what am I doing? I'm, yeah, I, I'm, u- I'm used to doing life. it like once or twice a year. Like draft night is always a good, always a good one because the draft's on Thursday and it always goes into the wee hours and then I have work the next day. That's always brutal. Um, I don't understand why it is the case though. Like I totally forgot that this year. Went to the arena to like cover it, like and talk to the, and I was like, why, why is this going on? So let's go, let's pick it up. Chris. We had this exact conversation like a f- about a week ago where I'm like, yeah, no, I dipped out last second because I realized how late the draft was going to go and I had work the next morning. So <clears throat> I did not. As soon as, I got, decision. as soon as I knew Cleveland was done for the night, like I got confirmation. I'm like, all right, I shut my laptop and went to bed at like 11 o'clock. I was one of the, uh, it was, it usually ends up being me and like two other people that make it to the very end of the Hawks availability. And the GM comes out at, you know, one thirty in the morning and is talking about second round picks. And it's just, it's, it's a dark place, but we do it. At least your GM's available. Yeah. Hey, there we go. It's <laughs> there like we if, go. If there's a Lockdown Cavs bingo card that would be on it. But for myself, for Brad, for Evan, this is Lockdown Cavs, Lockdown Hawks crossover. We'll all talk to you after Wednesday's game. Subscribe to the pods wherever you get your podcasts. And enjoy the game for whatever it ends up like.